Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. I'm a little disappointed today at the NFL. It's 3 o'clock on Tuesday. Why hasn't a quarterback moved? I mean, what the heck? Still got like 20 other teams that something could go down. Hey, we could have had one, but Carolina said no thanks. No thanks to Baker. Who's going to take Baker? Seattle or bust. Is Baker like Blake Bortles? Hey, I mean... Blake Bortles had a job with the Rams, not as a starter, but that happened pretty quick. Yeah, but my point on Blake Bortles was Bortles played five years. Jags obviously gave him all his chances. Played a lot of football. And then, yeah, he went to the Rams just as kind of like this, hey, let's go get corrected almost. Let's find myself. Let's reset. But in reality is I'm still surprised that nobody will take Blake I think he's on the Saints roster. But you know my point. Like, yep. He's kind of floating out there playing golf here in Jacksonville more than playing football. And he's a guy that's been to an AFC championship game, has been a, played a lot of football in the NFL, and has done some good things in the NFL. He's not obviously a fantastic quarterback, doesn't need to be your starting quarterback, but he's a good dude, so he's not going to be a bad guy in the locker room. And I've always said, like, I can't believe Blake Bortles isn't always a backup. Like, why wouldn't he always be a backup? And I don't really know the answer to that. Like, I'm not sure. I, I don't fully know. But obviously teams don't. They'd rather go with, like, Colt McCoy. Like, still I don't get paid. it. Yeah. You know? Like, I mean, up until two years ago, they were still going with Matt Schaub. <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> Instead of Blake Bortles. Like, I really look at some of the backup quarterbacks that are out there. And are you telling me that Blake Bortles isn't a better option? I don't, be, I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. And so... I would say, is, but is Baker Mayfield going to turn into that? Or is, some, is he going to start for somebody this 2022 season and get at least another chance? Hey, Blake got another contract and got five years out of the thing. Baker's going into year four, and I'm not sure he's going into year four. <laughs> That's true. I'm telling you, it's Seattle or bust because all the other, like Mariota got his job in Atlanta. If Carolina doesn't want him, Houston obviously didn't want him because they could have traded for him. So it's literally Seattle or bust unless you bring them in to like a New York Giants situation to compete, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. That's astonishing. Listen, I'm not a huge Baker fan, and I'm not really – I don't want to be the guy that defends Baker Mayfield. You're being that guy, though. But I'm going to be the guy. Oh, great. I mean, Baker Mayfield is better than a lot of dip- different options out there. Now, th- everybody's got a different situation. Houston's an interesting situation right now. Baker Mayfield, is he their future? Probably not. They're rebuilding. They're not really ready to do anything. And they want to see what's, what Davis Mills has. So I understand what they're doing. And they might draft somebody. And they don't have to get in the quarterback game yet because they're not ready to. Quite frankly, their roster is not there. So I understand their situation, why they might not go with Baker Mayfield. I mean, Drew Locke or Baker Mayfield, Baker to your Mayfield. point, in Seattle? Yeah, and, and that's a guy in Pete Carroll that has been a lot like New England where, hey, we'll take these guys. We don't care about all that other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so Seattle, so you do think it's Seattle or bust. Is that you thinking or is that the NFL thinking that way? It seems like I'm thinking that way, but is there any evidence to support that I'm not the only one thinking that way? Because people no, are if, publicly saying, no, we don't want the dude. Man, it's just nuts. Like, Carolina's stupid. I mean, probably. 
I know you like Sam Darnold. Love him. Uh, let's be honest. Carolina's dumb. They should be trying everybody. Yeah, that's fair. But to like Brian Middleton's point, like Carolina Panther fan, so he's been long suffering. He just wants them to draft somebody so they can fully like start anew, if you will. He doesn't want to start with Baker Mayfield, who's not really like, you know what he is. Yeah. I'd, how is Carolina? Like, how's their Bad. roster? I mean, uh, defense I, is good. Defense, defense is good. Defense was pretty good last year, right? Yeah. And, and they, they. I mean, if McCaffrey plays, it's a whole different situation. Yeah, of course. And then, you know, DJ Moore's good. Robbie Anderson. They extended DJ Moore. Robbie Anderson not really. did nothing, but. Terrace Marshall would be the other receiver. Uh, tight end spot, they don't have a lot. Dan Offensive Arnold. line, yeah. Uh, so. I they're just, middle of the road in a bad division. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, we. Like, I think we know more about what Sam Darnold is than we know Baker Mayfield is. But here's what, here's what you don't know about the NFL, what we don't always know and what we may find out down the road, is that some of these reports that come out of Cleveland or something about him being uh, prima donna or him not being a great teammate, leader, like, I have no idea if that stuff's true or not. People throw a lot of stuff out there. Mm. But what you might be finding out by the hands-off approach of – a lot of different teams that could at least be interested is maybe that stuff's true with their work and the research and everything else that maybe that stuff is true or there's more truth to it uh, than, um, you know, at least the, the denials of it. So uh, I just find it fascinating. I think Baker Mayfield's an okay player. Again, I sound like I think he's unbelievable. I don't. You really do. Um, I just think they're like, again, if I'm Carolina, I'm going Baker Mayfield all day over Sam Darnold. Uh, just all day. If I'm Seattle, I am doing that. And right now, you could almost get just about anything. It feels like. Yeah, I mean, the problem him. is like if you're if you're a team that's going to trade for him and not start him, right? Because if Carolina, if the teams that could start her out and like say Baker swallows his pride, pulls a Mitch Trubisky and sits the bench behind a good quarterback, right? Are you going to pay 18 million dollars for that? No. Is are the Browns going to pick up that eighteen million dollars when they got a fully guaranteed two hundred fifty million dollar deal with Deshaun Watson? So like, what are you? How much are you really willing to pay for backup Baker Mayfield? Definitely well, not eighteen million dollars. Yeah, well, the Browns are going to sooner or later. The Browns are just going to cut somebody. Uh, I mean, cut him. I'm trying to think. What did Mariota? I think it's two twenty two. Does that sound right? If you're paying Marcus Mariota twenty two million dollars, so eleven or twelve million dollars a year then, yeah, Baker Mayfield's worth 18. I mean, 18 million is, is like getting a pitcher in, in 2004 that has like a 5.25 ERA. You still paid him 12 million a year. That's okay. <laughs> Because nobody could get anybody out. So the, the money is just so ridiculous. I mean, $18 million, you know what that tells me? You stink. <laughs> like if you're making $18 million at the quarterback position. Now, it does make you a starter, Right. Right. Because there's a big difference between being a backup. It's $5 million a year potentially for a really good one or four and then three and two and a half or something like that. But, um, all right. Mariota's 18.75. So for the whole thing, for the whole so thing. he's like 9 million a year. Yeah. And he would be starting nowhere else in the league. Nah, they think, I mean, part of it's the Arthur Smith thing from Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that could be. Hey. He's listen, another guy that swallowed his pride and was a backup. Listen, I don't think Mariota's like the worst guy ever to play quarterback. I just think you know what you talk about. You know what he is, and you know where your ceiling is with him. I think it's uh, you can win some games, but you're probably not going too far. And they could do some cool stuff though with him and Patterson. They probably yeah, they probably could. They'd be a very creative.
and he'll have some weapons uh, like a cow pits, of course. So uh, the the quarterback. Are we going to see any other domino fall in the quarterback world? Because, again, I start the show with saying this is pretty quiet today on the quarterback front. And it's been every – it seemed like for the last two and a half weeks we've got quarterback news every day. They should have saved Jameis Winston going back to the Saints today. Yeah. I mean, spread it out. Come on, Saints. Um, they probably I just want to really, slide it under the radar. It's really interesting how quickly, like, actually Atlanta respond. Uh, they obviously had a few days to think about what would go on. They thought they were in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. Then they had plan B. Okay, do we keep Matt Ryan? Okay, the phone's ringing for Indianapolis. Okay, let's go get Marcus Mariota. Um, so they, they had some time to think about it. Baker Mayfield, it's crazy to think that he might not be a starting quarterback in 2022. Yeah. It's crazy to think. And Drew Locke might be. <laughs> Drew Locke and Marcus Mariota. And Sam Darnold. And Mitch Trubisky. And Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's nuts. It's crazy. I mean. And by the way, like, if you're Carolina or whoever else, like I, I, like you said, Middleton last night, Action Sports Shacks OT, saying, hey, I, I'd rather go see what they have in the draft. Well, the guy you have in the draft miraculously had his hands grow yes, he yesterday. Did. So yeah. that's good. But he also it. has the smallest hands in the history of the NFL at the quarterback position. Not a problem. <laughs> Not a problem. Like, Somewhere along the way, the hand size has got to be an issue because it would never get this much attention. It's dumb. Like, I don't I don't understand why we're so infatuated with it. I don't either, but... Hey, if the hands are growing, that's really all that matters. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's all that matters. Uh, Old Kenny Two Gloves. Trubisky, Mariota, Darnold, Locke. Anybody else fit in that category of, oh, my gosh, I can't believe they're starting quarterback? I mean, Winston doesn't fit there, in my no. opinion. I mean, depending on how you feel about Davis Mills. Yeah, but I get that. Like, I get what they're doing there. Um, Carson Wentz. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say Carson. That's pretty much it. Mario Tonholock. They all, I can't, that's just amazing. Who out of that, those four, by the way, will will emerge as actually a pretty decent player in this uh, second chance, second life, if you will, at the quarterback spot. Now, listen, Darnold, I'm giving him kind of a third life, potentially, if they yep. do stick with him, because last year was atrocious. It was horrible, yeah. Uh, I'm going Trubisky. I think that's easy. Uh, not just because he's on the best team, but uh, he he was not great for Chicago, but at the same time, like, when he left, we saw how horrible they were, and Matt Nagy got fired because of how bad of a coach he was. But with Trubisky, they went to the playoffs, so... I think Trubisky learned a lot in Buffalo. I think he was not horrible with Chicago. He just got, you know, a bad rep. Was he fantastic? Absolutely not. Should he have been the second pick in the draft? Also, no. But I think he's learned a little bit. I think he has enough talent to show he's going to be good. Pittsburgh has the weapons for him. I think Trubisky. Yeah, they've all high on Trubisky. Uh, Noah was going to sit in 4 o'clock hour. Just texted me. He said uh, Tomlin had dinner with Malik Willis. So, uh, uh, last couple of days. So there they go. They could go after Malik Willis. That'd be a nice fit. It'll be really different. It'd be a different style to get Willis who can, like, I don't see, uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger could move early in his career, but he wasn't like a dual threat guy. He could move. Right. Right. It, it's a weird fit. They seem so traditional in Pittsburgh, but I'm not saying it's the wrong thing. I mean, you need to evolve. I, to me, I, I hate the statue quarterback now. I've got to the point where I, do. I, I don't like that. That's why I'm not afraid of Matt Ryan. Yep. Um, I don't think Carson Wentz moves very well anymore. Yep. Ben Roethlisberger aged out in a hurry because he couldn't move. He could barely get on the field yeah. on the sidelines. And so I think 
the, the, the guy that can get away with it still because he's really smart and he knows how to play the position better than anybody in the history of the game probably, and he still has a heck of a fastball to make up for it is Brady. And even Brady probably it feels like he moves a little bit better to dodge, like, big hits and sacks. He's just not going to move. Like, some of those guys just don't feel like they're moving at all. I told you yesterday, Matt Ryan feels like he plays in slow motion. So, um, I just, it's an interesting dynamic. It would be such a, almost like a shock to the system, I think, up in Pittsburgh if they were to get a, this dual threat player in a Malik Willis. I know? mean, Trubisky can move. He can. You're right. He can run a little bit. It's going to be like the appetizer before if they draft Malik That's Willis. That's true. It'll be a different level, right? Yeah. It's kind of like all in. Uh, Malik Willis is a fun player, too. Yeah. Uh, it could be really fun. But, it again, it's just an odd fit to me in Pittsburgh because it's been such a traditional place uh, to play, and, and it's worked um, for, for so long. So, uh, the I still can't get over that, folks, that Trubisky, Mariota, Darnold, Locke could start. Baker Mayfield can find a team. Um, I guess perception does matter, too, in all of this. Or, or if he's not a great teammate, be a good teammate. That CEO part of that position is so important. And if you have anything to take away from what people feel you can be a leader of the organization and team, um, then I, I think it's a dangerous place to be. I got another one for you. What you got? Why isn't Gardner Minshew going anywhere? Like, I actually just thought about that right like, before you said it. Like, why wouldn't, like, Carolina not interested in Gardner Minshew? <sighs> yeah, that's actually a good call. He's played a lot of football. He's been good. Uh, if I'm Gardner, though, well, I'd obviously want to start. But I think Philly's a good spot if you're not going to go start at Carolina, obviously. But that's an interesting oh, I call. I think he's in an okay place. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it's interesting. I, I I haven't heard his name once. Well, you want to you be fun in the NFL, though? If McCaffrey were to stay healthy and play... Gardner Minshew and McCaffrey. That's I mean, cool. kind of fun. Like, yeah. And not like McCaffrey's not a personality guy, but his game has a ton of personality to it. And so, uh, it's a heck of a call. You won games in Jacksonville. Ain't nobody does that. The thing about Minshew, go ahead. If you want, go ahead and look up his numbers. Minshew's numbers are strong in the NFL. Strong. Like, you can really make the case. Size, limited in some spots. Um, People are more critical of his play than some other folks. I'm a fan of Gardner. I think he can win in this league. And, again, if you're rolling out, maybe somebody sees this in Trubisky. Trubisky's actually record in numbers is better than his perception in Chicago. He's another guy like that. But if you, like, Drew Locke hasn't done enough for me. Like, I think Gardner Minshew's done more than Drew Locke. 100%. In, in the small sample. Uh, so, I don't fully – and Darnold, again, like, I'm just I, – I, What's crazy to me in Carolina is what are they going on? Year three for rule yep. or four? Three? Three. So three for rule, and you've got some talent, and that locker room has to walk in and be like, Sam Darnold's the guy? Yep. Like, we're supposed to do what? Like, where's our expectation level? Like, Sam's a good dude, but, like, we saw that last year. We thought that it would be a rebirth for him, and it really wasn't. Yeah. He battled some injuries everything else, so... It's hard to pick Sam Darnold out of that and say, wow, he could uh, make a run. Um, I just think a, like a Gardner Minshew to Carolina makes some call. sense to me. I mean, Baker Mayfield, too, makes some sense to me, at least to, to do a little bit of what Indianapolis is doing. See, Indianapolis throwing darts at the QB board, mm -hmm. and they're just saying, all right, this guy doesn't work. See you. Get him out. Boom. Let's try this one. Boom. Let's try this one. They've done that for the last seven years, six years. 
They've had new guys in, yeah. and they've got bigger names. I mean, they've had Philip Rivers and Carson Wentz a big name, and now Matt Ryan's a big name. But um, I don't see why you you, you couldn't do that. Yeah. Um, if I was Carolina too, also Jimmy G, but I guess he's staying. Well, he, I'm done on Jimmy G. I'm just going to assume he's playing for the 49ers, and Trey Lance is not. That's just where I'm at. I don't get what's going on in San Francisco. Because you're not going to trade him to Seattle, likely. I mean, it yeah, just, I there'd be so. no point for Seattle to want him either. So Carolina makes sense, but it just... We've done this the last couple of days on the show and probably even going into last week. Is there nothing... Am I just missing it? Is there nothing coming out of San Francisco on the Jimmy G front? Like, we had the combine and we had free agency, and usually that's when a lot of rumblings will come out about these guys, and that's why we saw a lot of movement right. with the quarterback position. But it's been like... Really quiet on the Jimmy G front. Mm-hmm. And I just can't imagine you would trade what you traded For to Trey go Lance, get Trey yeah. Lance. And I'm not saying Jimmy G is a bad option, but now your investment in the quarterback position between what you're paying with Garoppolo, stunting the growth of Trey Lance, and what you gave up to get Trey Lance, and you don't even know if he's any good. Sooner or later, you better find out. Yeah. I just wonder if that team really uh, – do you wonder if that team really likes Garoppolo and they sense that? Does Lynch and Shanahan sense they, they believe in this guy? It's a good call because, I mean, that's well, – obviously you lose a Super Bowl. Because they're good. You're right there. Exactly. So you could you could see them vouching for him to still be their quarterback. That's a good call. Um, I you're, you're, you're going into Jordan Love territory, except it's a lot worse with Trey Lance if that's how you want to do it. Uh, with Jimmy G and you keep him and pull in Aaron Rodgers and do all that. But it's not like Jimmy G's great. Maybe he's a great leader and we just don't realize it. But I think Jimmy G's okay, though. I really do. I think he's a pretty good player. No, I, I do, too. But, man, give up all that capital for the third pick and then not play yeah, him. As, by the way, uh, what's his contract now? Is he like $26, 27000000 million a year type of guy? Which, which again, is a, a bargain. That's less than Devontae Adams for the quarterback position. It's like, I know this sounds ridiculous, but if you're paying less than $30 million a year for your quarterback and he's giving you decent results, that's actually a bargain in today's world. Yeah. Like, it's a pretty good deal. Like, that's not setting you back. And maybe they're looking at the position like that. Maybe they're looking at, hey, we're paying Jimmy G, whatever we're paying him, 25, 27, 28 million, and we're paying Trey Lance, like, rookie salary. So we're not, we're not even, we're kind of, like, morphed the position, and and we're okay numbers-wise. We're not spending $70 million on the quarterback position. 26-9 for yeah, Jimmy so, so you add it up, they're probably together making, what, like $35 million or yeah. something like that? Yeah, I mean, it's his last year of the deal. Is it a running back Is scenario? Is this the last year? Yes, it was a five-year. That, that's one of the thing I'm surprised that nobody would trade for. It's the yeah. last year. It's, it's a very – as long as the cost to trade for him is not much, well, you don't even – I don't – maybe his agent wants to rip up the deal if he moves. Well, I don't know if he has that luxury. Might not even start – True. If he wants to go play somewhere, he's got to show me chance. I just think back to the playoffs when we played that sound of Shanahan literally saying, like, goodbye to him. Remember that? Yeah. That random yeah, yeah. goodbye Jimmy G sound. Yeah, yeah. Like a, yeah. Well, and now it's like, mm, never mind. Which, again, I would say makes you wonder if they like him inside that building more than other people like him outside the building or the perception that he was going to be uh, uh, gone. So, uh, hey, let's take a break. Uh, first one of the day. I got a question for you kind of philosophical question here on a Tuesday. Oh, boy. This, one's go, this one goes deep. I was thinking of it the other day, mostly because of my Providence Friars going to the Sweet 16. I've really jumped on the bandwagon lately. Good for you. Uh, which is fun. But I will say, I mean, part of my childhood, Providence Friars. So, why do you love sports? 
Like, what made you get into loving sports? Because I'm going to give you, like, a specific example. Yeah. Like, I think that I know where it came from for me. But so many of us are passionate about sports. Is it because your dad, your parents, your brother? Did you watch a game when you were seven? Did you go to a game when you were nine? Like, why do you like it? It's a very simplistic question. And I bet a lot of people have different answers for it, mm-hmm. how we've become so passionate about the game. So we'll sprinkle that in throughout the show. Uh, and uh, we also have some brackets. All kinds Golf of brackets. Golf picks, we're doing bracket. Now, we're not going to go through the entire Austin bracket. Yeah, I'm not talking Austin Lane. I'm talking Austin, Texas. Right. But we will give it like a final four, and, and that's how we're doing our golf picks today. Plus, we have the perfect brackets, so we get to pick the Sweet 16. On okay. in. I like we it. We get a clean slate. Oh, I need one. Who's going to win the NCAA tournament? Not Tennessee. Tell you that. I want you to oh. also think about this. Best position group for the Jags. Worst position group for the Jags. Biggest holes left for the Jacksonville Jaguars going into the draft. It's a lot to think about. I only got five minutes. This, we got a lot to think about and talk about. We come back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 6 night. I think Seattle would be the best by form. And here's why. Because Pete Carroll doesn't mind conflict. He likes that stuff like that that what baker brings that conflict that um i don't want to say arrogance but that confident approach hockey yeah i don't want to see i don't want to use that word i don't want to that's why you see i danced around it yeah and i use confident well because it does does i know that verge key you know what i mean but i know how people will treat you because i've been there where as a player where you all of a sudden become confident cocky That is Keyshawn Johnson, Max Kellerman, Jay Williams. Every morning, ESPN, 696 a.m. until 10 a.m. Here from 3 p.m. until 6 p.m. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz. Austin out snowboarding. Special guest coming in 4 o'clock hour. We're doing some guests 4 o'clock hour. I think Brian Middleton, did he, did he approve our request? Oh, yeah, we're rolling. Yeah, he'll, he'll be in tomorrow. We going down to Davoli's tomorrow? Oh, yeah, we're I rolling. missed the card opening, man. Been two weeks. I feel like it's been three months. You need your fix. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I mean, the bracket has only held me over so much, especially now yeah. that I'm out of every survivor pool. Amen. And uh, so we'll be down to Volley's House of Cards uh, tomorrow. I think Casey's coming down there with me. My slide. That's it. And uh, we, uh, <laughs> I was trying to digest Mike's slide. <laughs> That's what I was trying to do. Okay. <laughs> um, it means I'll probably show up. Oh, I yeah. know what it means. Yeah, I was just okay. trying to think if I was. I was kind of like, as I was listening to it, I was like, would I ever say that? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. But I don't say, like, that's fire very often, and you do. Yeah, it's, it's pretty normal in the vocab. <laughs> Absolutely. Slide and fire. Uh, and make their way out. So anyway, we'll be down at the Volley's House of Cards. Come on by. Down in uh, St. John's County, 210. Three to six tomorrow. Uh, maybe slide we'll, on by. May slide on by. Maybe we'll have uh, pack battles. Or they return. Oh boy! If if by the way, if Casey's going down with the cars, look out. I might yell at some kids. <laughs> if I don't yell at some kids, might get Be buying everything in sight. Get ready, Mark Davoli. Oh boy! I uh, hope you have. Hope you're fully stocked. I'm sure he is. He always <laughs> is. They got a lot of stuff down there. A lot of stuff at Davoli's house of cards. Uh, all right, ask a question on uh, social media. And we asked this in the title of the show today, too. Yeah, we did. And it's a very simplistic question. But I was thinking of this around the uh, 
Providence Friars when I was thinking of the Sweet 16 and then I was going back. I couldn't believe it had been 25 years since the last time they went to the Sweet 16. My When I was in 1987, they went to the Final Four. I was Rick Pitino, Billy Donovan. Like, I was a kid. I was 10 years old, 9 years old, probably around this time, and about to be 10. And it was awesome. Like, you could feel it. Because here's the thing. In Providence, where I grew up, in East Providence, we're like a secondary market to Boston. Yeah. Right? So the Celtics are good. You feel it. Because everybody likes the Celtics. And they were when I was a kid. The Red Sox were good. You feel it because everybody likes the Red Sox. I mean, more than anything, at that time, the Red Sox were king, even when the Celtics playing well. Aren't they bad? Uh, well, in 86, they weren't. And uh, so they would pop up from time to time. But, I mean, you know, you got Boggs and Clemens. and true. I mean, yeah. you have some big names. So, and uh, now the Patriots were, who cares? Seriously. Still have a hard time believing that. It's amazing. But the Patriots were, who cares? Fourth fiddle by far. Bruins were ahead of them. Oh. And so... So that's what you have, like, that's the scene. But everything's like Boston, right? It's Boston, Boston, Boston. Meanwhile, in Providence, you're still getting a lot of that. You're reading about it. They're covering it. Um, I'm not covering it at the time. I'm like 9 or 10. But the one, like, the one moment that felt like, wow, this is, like, our moment in Providence was the Friars. Now, Rhode Island, too, would feel the same way often. But it's Providence Friars still ring a little louder than URI. But every couple of years, URI would show up. So it would be like a couple of years, Providence would go, and then they maybe make a little noise, and then three years later, Rhode Island's doing it. Then three years later, it's Providence, then it's Rhode Island. You know, had Lamar Odom at Rhode Island as, as you get into the 90s, and they had some really good Catino Mobley and players like that, really good players at Rhode Island. So uh, there was a stretch there where it felt like they were going quite a bit. Now I don't think Rhodey's gone in quite a while, though maybe a couple of years ago, early who's now coaching UConn, had him in the tournament looking pretty good. Um, but at that time, Providence, like you would go to gas stations. I always bring up this. Go to a gas station in 1987 in March, and Providence is making noise, and Billy Donovan and Rick Pitino are like the talk of not only the town, but probably a little bit the country, because Billy D's really fun, right? I mean, he's just this little white guy shooter, <laughs> and and right. and just uh, he's... Billy the Kid. That's what they called him, Billy like the it. Kid. So I remember going to the gas station, they had this shirt. I don't know if it was before or after the Final Four, but they had this shirt, and it had the picture of all the players mm. and Patino, like a little caricature sure. of them on the shirt. And that was, like, I remember my mom buying it at a gas station or something. I <laughs> go fill up for gas, and they had that shirt. But that's like, they. that was like the real deal at the time. And so as I think back to this question of, like, when did you really fall in love with sports? I remember going to my first game when I was, like, seven. And I really remember watching sports when I was, like, seven. 84 was Dolphins and San Francisco. Well, I kind of fell in love with the Dolphins and Dan Marino. They were in the Super Bowl, right? Marino was, like, the big thing. So I was front-running for sure. Yep. Patriots stunk. You do what you got to um, do. The, you know, Larry Bird and all that stuff. But even I had gone to my first game was the Detroit Tigers. My aunt lived in Detroit or in the Michigan area. And so we went and visited them. My first game ever was in Detroit. And so the when I was probably like six. Mm -hmm. And then the Tigers made the World Series in 84 the, the, against mm -hmm. the Padres. And so that's when I first remember seeing sports. You know what else happened in 84? That was uh, Doug Flutie. Hail Mary. Okay. Right? Yep. And Flutie captures the attention of everybody just from down the road. I remember staying in line for like two and a half hours uh, my parents brought me to Caldor Shoes. 
That's what it was. I don't even know if they still exist. But we waited two and a half hours for Doug Flutie's autograph. Nice. See, like you do that a lot. That was the only time I've ever waited in line for an autograph. Was it worth it? It was. There you go. And actually, I'll tell you a, a little sidebar story to that. What you got? So Brent's like seven years old, and I was more excited actually in that time to meet like the local sportscaster. You're weird, bro. Because <laughs> we saw him there covering the event. I'm not surprised, though. And I met him. I was like, I, I, that's what I really remembered from the day, more than even meeting Flutie. That's good. That's um, good so. But I would have been, what, seven? Yeah, I was like seven-ish. You yeah. know, maybe Flutie came like the following year, so it could have been eight. But uh, Under 10 for sure. Under, under 10. So, but really when I'm nine or 10, really an impressionable age, I would imagine for many in terms of what you're doing, what you're interested in, and what you're watching on TV. Well, that's when in Boston, the Celtics and Lakers stuff was going strong. Larry Bird was king. And uh, the Red Sox actually were good. Yeah. Because they made it to the World Series and then lost the whole Billy Buckner thing, which was as dramatic as you can get, yeah. which really started with the Anaheim Angels and and um, uh, Henderson hitting the three-run homer and all that stuff. Mm. Uh, so, and the, even the Patriots, who I, I wasn't like this massive Patriots fan, but they were still in my hometown, and they finally were were. It was like the one time they were good in my childhood. They got crushed by Chicago, and so I'm thinking, and then Providence. So I'm thinking at that time, that's when I became probably like a sports fan. Yeah. Right? That's when you're really impressionable and, and all these things. I was like, hey, that's pretty cool. Like, this is all happening here. You're reading uh, about it in the paper. I know, kids, you don't know oh, what that nice. is, but like reading box scores and stuff. I was probably learning to read <laughs> at the same time. There you go. <laughs> so um, I think that's when it was for me. How about for you? Yeah, uh, but, uh, let me add one more thing while you what, before Please you say, like my parents are not sports fans. Oh, that's right. Like not at all. Like my dad took me to sports games, and I thank him for doing it, but he didn't really want to. He he was he had tickets because he was in like the sales business oh. at the time, and so if somebody would like cancel, like he had good tickets, like he could go to the Patriots game, the Red Sox games, Celtics games, Bruins games, like with his work and. Uh, he was in the trucking industry, and he was doing sales. And uh, they did a lot of that back then. Entertaining, I guess you would call it. They don't do that anymore. I don't think they're in the sales business, but mm -hmm. they used to do it a lot. And so if somebody would cancel, like, that day, yeah. he'd have these tickets, and he'd take me. That's dope. I mean, so I saw a lot of good gifts, but, like, my dad would sit here and tell you right now he didn't really want to go. But he was just, like, take me because he knew I liked it and thought it might be a cool thing. But he's not a sports fan. Like Good dad right there. You couldn't even, my mom and dad, my mom's still like she calls and talks about the Jags. And if I get her to say touchdown, sometimes I'm like, I celebrate it. It's a W. Yeah. So it's pretty wild. Like that had to be it, right? My neighbors were and we played, like obviously we had buddies that were sports fans, but it wasn't an impressionable thing from parents, which I think a lot of people are. I got to believe my kids are sports fans because Steph and I are kind of into sports. So we probably had it on the TV. Yeah, but that didn't work out that way for me. How about for you? Yeah, so my parents did love sports. Um, they named me in Valparaiso, Indiana, after this dude that played for the Valparaiso University basketball team. Not one of the Drew brothers, because obviously my name's Casey. But um, <laughs> I think his name was like Casey Jones or something. I don't remember exactly, but it spelled the K, so that's how I got my name. So I was pretty much destined to like sports, but... In terms of, like, when, when we lived up in Indiana, I know the first game I ever went to was a Cubs game. There's a picture of me sleeping in the back of the car. Don't remember the moment. Remember the picture. First moment I remember from sports is we went to a White Sox game, which was 
I don't know why we went because, you know, my dad's a Cubs fan. We hate the White Sox. But here's what I remember. Don't remember the game. Got a yellow foam finger with the White Sox logo on it. That's awesome. And outside they were doing fireworks. So I remember the foam finger and the fireworks uh, walking to the car. That was pretty cool. Um, but my dad was a photographer for NASCAR as well as um, this magazine in New York. So the first team that I ever, like, the really the first thing that ever really got me into sports was, like, my dad would go to these Yankees-Mets stuff and photographs. So he did more Yankees. So, like, my first memories besides those are, like, when the Yankees blew the 3-0 lead in uh, 2004. Oh. Uh, I remember that. Beautiful. Vivid, <laughs> vividly. Beautiful. Highlight of my life. Yeah, so that's why I like Derek Sorry, Jeter, kids. by the way, because my dad was always around the Yankee stuff, so I always saw the Yankee stuff. Um, and then I remember the first time I was allowed to stay up late and past my bedtime was the Gators National Championship against Ohio State. And pretty much from that, those are the kind of the things that made me into what I was. And then obviously, like, I started playing baseball when I was three, so I didn't really have a choice. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was pretty much locked in from the get-go. Uh, but those are kind of the moments that stand out that, like, make me think, like, yeah, this moment. And then I guess the last one, we moved to Florida, went to spring training for the first time. My dad's, like, company was in, like, a little on-side field box as a kid. And I got Jim Tomei's autograph. Oh, uh, that's cool. So that's probably yeah, where so the multiple things right? started. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's how I'm, there's no doubt the, the star players get you into it, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, and I found that, I mean, listen, I end up, I love Larry Bird. Uh, I loved Wade Boggs until he was Yankee. And I really liked Nomar Garcia Parra later. Mm-hmm. But uh, Dan Marino, it was more players than it was even the teams. Yeah. Um, and even like around the Providence Friars at that time, it was Billy Donovan, it was Rick Patino. Like, so, yeah. Uh, all that. I also loved Hideki Matsui, by the way. That was my first ever baseball jersey. Really? Yep. Matsui. <laughs> that's, now, that's a unique first. Yeah. I loved him. Jersey. Dude was awesome. See, and that's one thing I never got into is, you know, we're going to Bowie's House of Cards. I was big in the, got mm-hmm. into big in the baseball cards and, and those kind of things, but never into like the jersey part of it, uh, the memorabilia uh, side of it. I do wonder now, today's day and age, how people, I would imagine the parents are the biggest influence on kids becoming sports fans because, again, I don't know this. This is a little bit, this is weird for us because, like, Ty does go out and play, like, hoops and they'll go play football and they'll go play, like, with buddies. Yeah. But most people will tell you that kids don't go play ball anymore in the neighborhood. Like, they they just don't do that. Mm -hmm. Well. I grew up in an era where that was like that's what we did. Like day in day out, we kept stats. We had leagues. We had, I mean, it was crazy. We did like, that. Right? Yeah. I mean, we were really probably nerdy about it, but it was like fun. Yeah. And front yard, backyard, middle of the street, two hand touch, wiffle ball. I mean, there were seasons for us. You know. My dad planted a home plate in our backyard because we played <laughs> wiffle ball. Go. So, so you did, and you're. I mean, at the yeah. age you are. Yeah. Even through like even, I would say even in high school. We had a basketball hoop, obviously, like everybody does, but, like, we would, we could drive. I can tell you we could drive because my friend Shane, love Shane, but he lived at the front of the neighborhood. He was too lazy to walk, so he drove his car down so we could hoop in his uh, Miami Heat Shaquille O'Neal jersey. It's my guy Shane. But to your point, yeah, we could drive, so we were doing it all the way up until pretty much the end of high school. Wow. You know, you, uh, Ty, and I think Ty was, maybe it was Kaylee, showing me, do you see the, like, they have a wiffle ball league that they have on yeah, like, it's YouTube? Yeah, awesome. And those guys are, like, stars, like, I mean, we all did that. We could have done that. Yeah. Uh, we should still well, try to get in. We probably should. Should If I could figure out how to spin it like them, you know what I'm saying? I that mean, nasty. It is crazy. They showed me a little bit of it, but they get hundreds of thousands of views for playing wiffle ball in their backyard, and they've created a whole league and merchandise, and it's unreal. But that's what, that's what everybody used to do. So um, I think 
I do wonder. I think people say that kids don't play anymore, and then they do the video game thing and blah blah blah. I wonder if that's as factual as we think. Like, I still I see kid again. I go. I see plenty of kids down at the ball field. I mean, I don't do the numbers. I don't know what the percentages are. I see them at the playing hoops, playing wiffle. Everybody loves to play wiffle ball still. It feels like if you if you roll it out there. Um, probably not to the degree because of the demands on kids and, and the lifestyle changes, probably families and everything else. But I still think it's probably more prevalent than people give it credit for. I think it's yeah. an easy way out. Uh, a lot of people like to label, whether it's the millennials or younger generations. And uh, video games certainly are king now. Yeah, I but mean, I that mean, has changed. But the thing that's always annoying me about that is like they're not mutually exclusive. Like you can do both, believe it or not. That's the thing. Like we played video games as a kid too. Yeah, and exactly. I, I remember playing quite a bit of video games. Not yeah. as much as probably today's kid, but like if you lose in real life basketball, the only thing you can do is challenge the dude to some two K. Like you know what I'm saying? Like you can't lose both. You gotta you gotta try. You gotta find something you're good at. I'm saying like well, I'd lose in basketball, but you don't want to see me in MLB the show. Nobody yeah. will play me. So anyway, the story is if you got any uh, just even on social media, YouTube or or Twitter, or you're always welcome to call in, 904-362-9901. I was just thinking of it uh, more from a personal standpoint. When you started to get into sports, like what was the influence of sports and why do you still love it? And maybe listen to the show <laughs> because you there like you sports, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what we do. We, we talk about it. We live it. Uh, you do it at the water cooler. You do it at home. You're watching it uh, at home. And where did it all begin? Uh, I think it's, it's kind of a very simplistic but fascinating question uh, nonetheless. We'll be back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. A little more hard-hitting, less philosophical topics on the way. You know, I think you, you have to have an appreciation for stability. And I think as an organization, we do have that stability right now. Uh, as it pertains to Tyler on the field, he loves to be competitive. He loves to lead. Um, and I think he's continuing to mature. Um, he's matured since I've gotten here, and that was in 2020. Um, I can see that maturation continuing to happen, the way in which uh, he spends time with his teammates um, outside of the building, uh, the way in which uh, he's asking more uh, of his teammates, uh, the way in which he's spending more time in the film room with the coaches. Uh, he's maturing. Um, he still has a ways to go, uh, but he's, start, he's, he's really starting to, to turn that corner of maturing and being uh, the franchise leader uh, that I think we all Yeah, I asked earlier in the show, I don't know who that was specifically. Is it, um, it didn't sound like uh, Kingsbury. Nope. That was uh, offensive tackle again. Oh, was that Beecham? Yes. Kelvin Beecham? Kelvin Beecham's a good dude. Played for the Jags. It was a heck of a pull, though. All I said was offensive tackle. Well, when she, yeah. I, well, now I did recognize the what she said. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. I just saw it. Brian Anger is re-signing with the Cowboys. Oh, good. Three years, uh, $9 million bucks. It's not a bad gig. You, you really think about some of the players that are out there that actually the Jags did well on from a – they had them on their roster, okay? The Anger thing is totally misconstrued by the whole Russell Wilson and why'd you pick a punter in the third round. But it's interesting to think about a guy like Beecham, who's had an unbelievable career now, and the Jags didn't invest in him. On the offensive line, they're like, nah, thanks, we're good. Yeah. But, every, but the Arizona Cardinals had, I forget the exact circumstances around Beecham, but I remember, I want to say, they thought he might have been on the smaller side to be a tackle. 
And now he's played in the league, and I think he was Walter Man, uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee for Arizona, if I'm not mistaken. He's a really good dude. Um, but I was thinking of anger. You think of a guy like Tyson Alualu, yeah, who's played re- really well. The Jaguars have had players that, uh, and again, this happens in the league. You can't keep everybody. And I'm not saying, oh, well, now you start adding up like the Yans and the Ramseys. Mm-hmm. You know, you can. You used to when I first got to town for the first few years. You couldn't even make a list of players that were on other teams that had been on the Jacks. I'm not kidding. Like, it was really hard to find players that had played for the Jags that, quite frankly, weren't either on practice squads or out of the league. Like, that's yeah. real. But now, this is where you could tell Dave Caldwell did beef up the amount of talent they had on the roster because the Jags have done a poor job of keeping their talent at times, especially, you know, the stretch where they went through. But when they release guys, they actually go to and play for other teams. Like, now you can actually do, like, almost an all-star team from the players that used to play for the Jags, which I don't think is a bad sign. If you take the Baltimore Ravens, you can probably do the same thing. Sure. If you take, name your team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, you can probably do the same thing. You, again, you're not going to keep everybody. But the fact that at least they're getting more talented players is a little bit better from my perspective than the first few years. Yeah, you know, it's it's better that, I guess, that people want your other players if than not wanting them, to your point. I'm trying to think of a player that the Jags wish they didn't get rid of, minus the whole Jan and Ramsey thing. And I'm wondering if Beecham is high on that list. That's a good call. By the way, the, uh, I had some conversations with Pittsburgh Steelers fans. They're pretty happy with uh, Tyson. Well, now that they're happy with Tyson, they should be happy about Miles Jack. Don't you get the sense that Miles Jack oh, will yeah, do yeah, well? Yeah. Don't you think that, like, Mike Tomlin's going to get the most uh, out of Miles Jack and he's going to play well there? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think I think Miles Jack's still a good player. Um, they, like you've said a couple times, they did him a couple of disservices by how they used him, and I think Pittsburgh understands how to use their players because they get the most out of them. Uh, so now I guess it's him and Joe Schobert. Ain't that something? Did they release Schobert? Did they? I thought I heard that uh, they might release Schobert, or they did. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I wonder, Beecham's an interesting one for me. I wonder if uh, the Jags wish, I wonder if they could have solved and not had to worry about their, or would they have always been trying to upgrade it anyway at the at the left tackle position? Um, but Kelvin Beecham has had a nice, uh, nice career, and good for him. Like I said, he's a pretty good dude. Uh, all right, let's take a break. We come back, welcome in our guest of the day. We talk. Here's where I want to go. We got brackets to do, first of all. Well, not first, but first. at okay. some point. Uh, and we got football at five, so we got plenty of time. Best position on the Jags right now. Best position group. Did this on TV the other night. Hope you watched. But if you didn't, we'll talk more about it. Best position group on the Jags. Worst position group on the Jags. And the biggest holes that the draft will identify uh, now that this free agency period's over with. Mine are going to surprise you. Guaranteed. Yeah, be, I, I think they're debatable, honestly. I think there's some debate to be had, and, well, that's why I bring it up. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. 4 o'clock hour coming up next.